Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 116 of the Talk is Cheap podcast. I am James Kratz, joined as always by Dan Duggan. Two-man pod again this week. We're going to jump right into it. Dan, we are taping this on a Thursday afternoon, I guess, in our cars at the parking lot at the Frigid Giants facility. The Giants have 52 men on the field of practice today, and one guy suspended, Eli Apple. Uh, a lot has happened since we last were on the podcast so I think we'll just start. I think the best place to start, Dan, is with the story you posted over the weekend before they went to the Cardinals game where the Giants lost 2-13. and 13. not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. But let's, I think the best place to start is the story you wrote about Apple and the family situation because I think it kind of paints a picture and provides context for what's happened since. Yeah, all right, that's good. I mean, I'm glad to have a little bit of a forum to explain that because this thing's obviously gone kind of wild on social media. Uh, and it's not a story you take lightly, and it's, it's not one you necessarily enjoy getting into. But obviously, as a reporter, our, our number one job is to provide information. And so there was you know, whispers and murmurs about Eli Apple having some family issues and some off-field issues all season. But pretty much, if it doesn't affect the guy in the field, it's really not our business. Uh, the difference with Eli Apple is, you know, he clearly had, um, you know, he missed two practices for personal issues. And now, you know, we're obviously led to believe that was due to his mother having brain surgery. So even that is, you know, certainly a serious thing and something, um, you know, for a 22-year-old to deal with is a lot. Uh, but even that, he came back and then still wasn't playing. I mean, you would think at some point that if that was all it was, and I'm not trying to diminish it, he would still get back into the lineup at some point. It was clear that there was more going on, and then it kind of came to a boiling point uh, two weeks ago uh, when Landon Collins, who in my opinion was being a supportive teammate, maybe you know maybe saying more than Eli Apple would have you know liked to have out there, but was still being supportive in, in his general tone, was saying he's tried to be there for Eli Apple uh, because you know he has so much going on in his personal life. He's you know he said like I can't even believe he's here. Most guys wouldn't even be here with everything he's dealing with. So I mean, listen, if you're a reporter, you know the light bulb things like I got to find out what he's talking about. You know, maybe it's something that. Uh, is you, you can't report on whatever. You have to just find out. I mean, that's, again, that's the name of the job. Um, so, you know, I was able to get in touch with, um, you know, obviously Eli Apple's uh, half-brother, Dane Blackson, and he was certainly willing to talk uh, about just sort of all of the strife that has gone on in the family in the past, you know, six or seven months where, um, you know, the parents divorced in May after 18 years of marriage, uh, and his stepdad, Tim Apple, who Eli actually, you know, took on Tim's last name uh, as a senior in high school when he was a big time recruit, he changed his name and, and said it was because, you know, Tim had raised him as his son and, and really had been a great influence. And, 
Um, so that relationship was a big part of Eli's life up until this year. And then after the divorce, uh, you know, the, Eli kind of Eli and Annie kind of cut the rest of the family out. Now again, I'm not in. I'm not trying to say who's right, who's wrong. This is just you know, this is what happened. Uh, and so the the absence of of Tim Apple, you know, as a as a steadying influence, who you know, I talked to plenty of people um, from Eli's background, from high school to college, uh, and they all said that you know Tim Apple was a you know very positive influence. And, and it just seems like you can kind of connect the dots that the the kid has deals with the first real adversity of his life on the field, off the field. And, and things just snowballed and got so bad, the fact that he didn't have that kind of strong force to me seemed like a, a pretty pivotal piece in, in trying to put this puzzle together. Um, so, you know, I, I, I you know, reached out to everybody involved. Um, you know, most of them didn't want to speak. I mean, Eli gave him the opportunity to respond. He didn't want to speak. Uh, Annie Apple didn't want to speak. Uh, Tim Apple really just gave me a general comment, like basically saying he misses his son, but he did not want to get into the whole, you know, the family issue. But again, uh, you know, the, the half brother was, was all, all too willing. And I, and I talked to a lot of other people who, you know, you know, wanted to remain anonymous. They didn't really want to get too into the, uh, you know, the, the family's, you know, drama. It's not really, you know, their place they felt, but they, you know, they at least offered some perspective. So, you know, I, I put that all together. Um, you know, it wasn't something, you know, it's definitely something you weighed and, and, uh, you know, felt comfortable with it though. Ran it on Saturday. Uh, certainly, uh, created some waves, but I think again, the bottom line for me was it was pride information. You know, I think the question a lot of people have had is like, what happened to Eli Apple? He was number ten pick last year, had some ups and downs as a rookie, but certainly showed some promise. Was you know expected to be a big part of this team, and then for the middle of the season, you know, he just is MIA. He's a healthy scratch week after week. Uh, had plenty of little dust ups, you know, in practice or in the locker room, and again, it just all boiled over led to the story. So that's kind of my long winter response that I've, you know, been kicking around in my head for a while. Cause again, I think there's a lot of people who don't understand how this whole works. And I know that, you know, Brandon Marshall for one has criticized the story and, and you know, that's fine. It's right. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, but it was not as if I set out to, to try to tear Eli Apple's life apart. I mean, it just, it was, it was presented, uh, you know, I really feel like once Landon Collins made those comments, um, you know, it became, uh, you know, sort of a public topic and, and Annie Apple has made herself a public figure. Obviously Eli Apple is a public figure. So, uh, that's kind of where the reporting led me. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's the big key is that it, it was once Landon made those comments and said that he's having these issues, uh, it became a football matter. And, you know, this is, it, it was not just, uh, you know, gossip piece. I mean, it pertained to the idea of, you know, Tim, you know, being kind of cut out of his life, his support system. Uh, it's clearly something that seems to be weighing on him and that's impacting uh, the football stuff. I think that's kind of the way it goes with, with any public figure. It's that when, you know, stuff in their private life is impacting their professional life, which is forward facing to the public, uh, it becomes newsworthy. So that happened. Uh, day after Eli Apple didn't, uh, play much. He played only on special teams against the Cardinals. Uh, didn't really say anything to reporters after the game. I think he said, ask the coach, uh, which we did. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo really had a very, I mean, his answer was all over the place. I just think, you know, uh, look, you, you don't want to hammer Steve Spagnuolo too much. He's a good guy. He's been put in a tough spot, uh, but he has not had, had any scene. He has not presented himself at any time during his four game, you know, soon to be four game stint as interim coach, having any control over what's going on here. He, he is, he's just here, you know, kind of playing out the string like the rest of them are. So then we get to Tuesday, I think 26 was when yeah, Landon goes Landon's on the radio. Interview, yeah. 
Yes, and uh, Landon goes on ESPN Radio and, and calls Eli Apple a cancer. <laughs> and obviously that's going to grab some headlines. It's not too often that you have that situation. And look, I think it's obvious that their kind of situation has been blowing over. As you reported in your story, Dan, after Eli Apple basically called Landon a liar, uh, Landon went after him in the locker room you know, or in the meeting room, wherever, and he had to be held back by teammates. So clearly their issue wasn't done, which brings us to – Wednesday, Landon, Spags, Eli Apple meet. Landon apologizes in person. He apologizes on Twitter. And then this thing all kind of blew up. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it's just like, you, you know, you thought you had the story of the day of kind of Landon apologizing and then Spags, you know, making it sound like it was you know, kind of kumbaya meeting they all had. Uh, you know, again, literally, you're writing that story. And then, you know, an hour or two later, the boom, the news release comes out. And the Giants have had a had a tendency to drop these bombs this year that really, you know, catch us all off guard. I mean, we need to do a better job, but, um, uh, you know, that Eli Apple was suspended and um, came came out from, you know, various reports that, you know, he had an issue with uh, cornerbacks coach Tim Walton during practice, uh, which is not the first time that's happened. I mean, you go back to week five when Eli was quote-unquote benched or not benched, however you want to spin it. I mean, he, was, he certainly didn't start the first three series of that game. Uh, that was based on a, an issue with an assistant coach. I believe that was Walton as well. Um, he's just, you know, contract de- detrimental to the team. I mean, he kind of defined it this year. I mean, he was just was very defiant about everything. I mean, the, the last draw to me, even worse almost than getting an argument with your coach, is that he wouldn't go onto the field with the scout team. I mean, you're above going on the scout team. Eli Manning, a month ago, when he had his heart ripped out and, and lost the starting streak and was benched for Geno Smith, he ran scout team that week. <laughs> I mean, that was sort of the ultimate indignity to have Eli Manning reduce that. And you know what? He went out, he sucked it up, and he did it. And, and guys were saying he was dropping dimes on the scout team all week. So he did it with uh, enthusiasm. So, I mean, for Eli Apple to think he's above that, um, I, I, I can't fault the Giants at all for, for you know, kind of coming to this final act. Um, which, you know, I think you wrote today, uh, it was a long time coming. I mean, they could have done this a while ago and probably prevented a lot of the drama from unfolding. You would have kind of removed him from the situation when you put him on some sort of inactive list uh, or just suspend him, you know, however it would have worked. Um, but having him around and Spags kind of throwing up his hands, like hoping everything would work out, uh, that certainly backfired. Uh, and I think the biggest part, I mean, listen, a one-game suspension in Week 17 for a 2-13 and 13 team, not that big of a deal. I mean, he wasn't going to play anyways. I mean, he played like five snaps on special teams last week. Uh, so he clearly wasn't going to play. The major, major ramification is, is that now they're going to be off the hook for his guaranteed base salaries in 2018, 2019. So basically, he's he's got about $9 million on the books between that and his signing bonus. And you just cut that in half by eliminating the base salaries, assuming they want to cut you know, or trade him. Uh, that makes a huge difference. Uh, certainly makes it much easier to just stomach it if you dump him, or makes it more appealing probably to another team if you're going to look for a you know late round pick in some sort of trade. So to me, that's kind of the biggest takeaway from a going forward standpoint. The suspension from a business uh, aspect made a ton of sense and was kind of a necessity. Yeah, and I think that obviously I don't think it had much to do with the uh, just a quick aside the suspension. But the whole I got to take a, you know, go to the bathroom comment and the gesture uh, really did not help his cause. I think it really kind of summed up just how nonsensical a lot of this has been. But I look, I just think the Giants handled this incredibly poorly. Uh, It was very obvious that Eli Apple was not handling not playing well. 
He was not handling the media speculation and scrutiny about his status well. He was not handling coaching well. He was not handling, you know, teammates trying to kind of police the locker room well or, or and support him well. So I don't understand why the Giants thought they could keep kind of doing this and, and rolling him out there to be inactive or play on special teams or, you know, say things that don't make sense about his status. Why they ever thought that it was working. It clearly wasn't. So I just think, in hindsight, they should have, you know, sent him, put him on a reserve list, sent him home. Maybe you still pay him. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I mean, that's up to them. There's so many avenues I'm sure they could have pursued. You know, the teams kind of have a lot of leeway and power in these situations. But for whatever reason, they just kind of left him out there to kind of wilt on his own. And, you know, and this is on him. He, he didn't really respond well. He didn't ever. He just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And here we are now where I don't I mean. You can't say for sure because there's not a new G, the new GM, the new head coach are not here. I don't see how this guy's ever going to play for the Giants again. No, I mean he's he's done. Uh, there's been enough signs kind of already before this uh, came to pass that it was going to be highly unlikely he'd be back. And it really doesn't matter who the GM, who the coach is, because no matter what, the majority. Well, I shouldn't say the majority. There might be a pretty good house cleaning that locker room, but uh, a lot of the players in that locker room will be back. Starting with Landon Collins, who you know has been identified as a future captain, is is clearly a cornerstone player of this franchise. There's no coming back. I don't care that Landon apologizes. There'd be no coexisting with those two guys going forward. And Landon, you know, again, I, I think it's totally imbalanced to criticize him for that. I think he went over the line. I don't think there was really anything to be gained by calling a teammate a cancer, but I think he also was at the end of his rope. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, in that story I had, he tried to confront Eli Apple because, I mean, you, you know, these guys are prideful guys, and, and Eli Apple essentially called Landon Collins a liar publicly so i'm pretty sure in landon's mind the gloves are off at that point there's no more protecting because again he did try to be a good teammate this stuff didn't even start to come out till week 15 so you can imagine how much stuff had to have gone on behind the scenes because the other thing landon collins said in that interview is eli apple has all the talent in the world so it would be one thing if he was just a stiff and you say well let's just get this guy out of here they needed him i mean how bad this team was, has been so bad this year and you have a first round talent whether you think he should have been the 10th pick or whatever jerry reach uh you know struck again there whatever he's a talented football player certainly better than Brandon Dixon and Daryl Morris, the guys who are trying to uh, you know, cover Larry Fitzgerald on Sunday. So they needed him. Uh, so I, I'm sure there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes to try and get him on the reservation. Once that happened with the public spat with Collins, uh, like I said, all bets were off. So th- there's just no way you can bring him back to this locker room. And John Maris still is going to be here, and he certainly can't like the way you know this first-round pick who you've given all this money to has conducted himself. So it really doesn't matter who the GM or, or the uh, head coach is unless they bring in Urban Meyer, and, and he's convinced he can get Eli back on the reservation. But uh, you know, there's no, no doubt they have to move on. Um, but I agree with you, too, as well, that the, the Giants handled this poorly. Um, I mean, I wrote something on uh, Wednesday. Just the, the lack of leadership from the top down has really been the worst part of this season, in my opinion. Because, listen, you're going to have a one-off where, uh, you know, a guy is going to be a problem, this and that. But it's just, it's just at every level. I mean, the way the ownership handled, uh, you know, the quarterback situation and being so reactionary and, and based on how the fans reacted, they, they changed their entire course. The fact that they put out a statement that Ben McAdoo would be safe no matter what. And then three weeks later fired him. Um, you know, obviously McAdoo would have documented his, uh, you know, kind of failures as a leader. Um, and then just even within the locker room, I've, I've been stunned by how much these guys have just taken it in stride. I mean, there's a fine line between being even keeled and not caring. And I just think so many of these guys, 
uh, sort of just checked out. It hasn't been uh, until really the Eli Apple Atlanta Collins thing. It hasn't been the finger pointing and something blowing up, which we all kind of were expecting when they're on four or on five, you, you thought maybe something blow up. It was almost worse because it didn't blow up. Nobody cared. Everyone just kind of like went about their business. And, and I think almost in, in some ways that's a worse uh, attitude to have worse outlook. You should be upset. And these guys, everything kind of rolled off their back. I mean, we'll, we'll go in the locker room this afternoon. I wouldn't be surprised if everyone just downplays the Eli Apple thing. They've just kind of, taking everything in stride in, a, in such an extraordinary year. Uh, to me, that's almost a little bit concerning. Like, I mean, are these guys truly invested or are they just able to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm still collecting my check and, uh, you know, we'll get them next year. Yeah, it is remarkable that in a 2-13 and 13 season, you know, the real kind of dysfunction has, has come not so much from the locker room, although there's been plenty of it in there, but it's almost been kind of catalyzed by the coaching staff, the front office, ownership. A lot of times I wonder if these players, and maybe it's just a different era, understand they are the worst team record-wise in the history, 93-year history of the New York Giants. They were a I don't team, think you have to, let me just, I don't think you have to stop it record-wise either. I can't imagine there's been a team that's been as much of an embarrassment. No, I mean, 1966 <laughs> is pretty bad, but I'm okay, just saying. Okay, you're going backwards. Yeah, I mean, but that's a different era. I'm just saying you can't really compare those teams, but I mean, these guys came in. They, they, they were a football team that started the season in New York City and New Jersey thinking they were going to win the Super Bowl, and now they are 2-13. and 13. <laughs> They are going to be remembered as one of the biggest disgraceful flops in the history of this franchise and the history of the, re- of the area. You know, this is like Mets-Knicks level bad here. And I just don't know if enough guys or any guys in that locker room really – appreciate just how badly, you know, look, when, when it all comes down to this, uh, people you know, are not going to remember this first and foremost when they think about Eli Manning's career, but it's going to be part of the part of the story. I don't think without a doubt, you know, this is the worst team, you know, in franchise history. And I think that, you know, when you said about Landon Collins, right, you absolutely should criticize him. I, I think he probably said way too much, but I, I actually, I know for sure he said way too much, but I also think with him, the cult kind of the setup, the, the environment the Giants allowed to kind of create with Eli Apple it almost is kind of create an environment where a guy like Landon Collins, who's trying to be a leader and then, and, and, you know, tries to help and then get kind of gets basically called a liar in public. He's going to get sucked in eventually, too, and, and fight back. So I've seen the Giants all around. Ninety uh, percent of this is on Eli Apple, but the Giants did not make things better. He's suspended, probably never going to play for the Giants again, but we'll see. Let's go to a guy who probably won't play for the Giants on Sunday, <laughs> but finally, it's amazing. Eli Apple has knocked the, off the pages the fact that Davis Webb is going to actually dress for Sunday's game. Yeah, it's funny. When the, when Collins made his comment on Tuesday night, I, I tweeted jokingly. Some people didn't. I think some people lost their sense of humor during the season that all Spags had to do to change the narrative was to announce that David Webb would start, and then everyone would talk about that. I mean, obviously, nothing was going to uh, you know, tip the, the Landon Collins, Eli Apple thing uh, off the back pages and uh, you know, off the, the, you know, the top of everyone's minds. But you know, that was pretty much the one card he had to play, and he, he did play it halfway. I mean, it's kind of funny that you know, we're at practice, and you, know, you, you kind of just kind of get into a routine, but there really hasn't been any routine uh, with this team this season. You're always taking attendance to make sure that everyone show up for practice. You know, you, 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 we have got caught. If we ever did let our guards down, I think we've done a pretty good job keeping them up, but you know, we take attendance every day, and uh, that practice after the bye uh, was a 
good reason why when you, you just assume, of course, like the starting cornerbacks and the starting running back will be here. And then when they all weren't there, um, you know, it was a good thing we were, you know, keeping tabs on that. But with the quarterbacks, we see them take a couple of reps um, every practice and every single practice since, I mean, I guess I'll say since the regular season, because it was a little different during training camp. It's been Eli Manning with the first team. Geno Smith with the second team, and then they break off, and Jay Davis Webb gets zero reps. So yesterday, even with everything else going on, we still had an eye on it, and we saw Eli Manning get the first rep, and then Davis Webb get the second rep, and then they broke off, and it was like the record stopped. Like, oh, my goodness, they're finally going to do this. Now, obviously, we have said on this podcast for weeks that this is long overdue, uh, and the funny part is it's, it's Davis Webb is going to dress. He's still, even Spags can't say that he'll even play and listen, he's certainly not going to start him, but it's, it's basically sort of that, that nebulous plan that Mara settled on of like, well, let's just let Eli start. And if it's going well, he'll just finish the game. So you might have a situation in a meaningless week 17 game. When you finally get the rookie quarterback in uniform, he still doesn't even play, which again is just comical. I mean, would Eli Manning really object to coming out at halftime at this point after everything that's gone on this season just to let the kid get one half again? I know all the counter arguments. You're not going to make your decision on the number two quarterback, I mean, number two pick, or Eli Manning based on what Davis Webb does in a half. But just let the kid play. I mean, if nothing else, for being a good soldier. I mean, he's been a tremendous teammate all season. He's he's earned uh, you know a shot. I mean, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. I know it's a little different situation. First round pick, uh, and Mahomes has been the number two. But they're going to let him start, and that's a team that's going into the playoffs. I actually think that might be a that might backfire because you could have a, a Doug Flutie, Rob Johnson situation where if Mahomes plays really well, do they do they go with him, or or if Alex Smith struggles in the first playoff game, do they uh, they have a quick hook? So I think that's a little bit of a dicey situation. My overall point is that the Chiefs are willing to give their rookie quarterback a shot in a game that you know doesn't mean anything in, in the grand scheme because they're you know they're playoff standing. Uh, you would think that the Giants in a game that means absolutely nothing could find a way to get Davis Webb a few series, but uh, I'm not too optimistic that's how it'll play out. I mean, obviously, but I think, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little exhausted with the whole, I mean, we, we've gone through this Davis Webb stuff so many times. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's not worth going through it again. It, it makes no sense. I just, I would think, I mean, look, I think there's a very good chance this game's going to get lopsided because, you know, the Redskins, they're seven and eight. Uh, when was the last time? I, I got to go look this up, uh, and I will later on. But, like, when was the last time the Redskins had three straight non-losing seasons? Um, you know, Jay Gruden's a guy who might – his job might be in peril. You know, I, I know a lot of those Redskins players, you know, from what I heard, love playing for him. So, you know, it could kind of be a situation like, you know, we've seen with the with the Jets in the past with Rex where the Redskins show up and they come out firing because they want to, you know – end the season on a high note and, you know, kind of make sure that Jay stays. So, you know, it, I just think the Giants, they, they should be down a good amount. But I go back to something Spags said in the Arizona game, which is like, I asked him, you know, you're down 23 points, 10 seconds into the fourth quarter. You know, don't you really wish that you had Davis Webb dressed so he could have played? And Spags made a comment where he said, you know, if you're down within two score, if you're within two scores, you should play to win the game, which I agree with. You know, as a coach, you're always thinking we score a touchdown, we get an onside kick, we score another touchdown, the game is tied. But then he said, and when we got down three scores, he'd probably be handing off. <laughs> and I was like, so wait a minute, if you're down 16 points, so two scores plus two two point conversions, we're, we're going for it. But you get down 23, or you know, 21 or whatever, and, and you're just gonna run the ball into the middle of the, you know the pile and just end the game. It's just, 
I, I just look, he, he doesn't seem to know what's going on. I, I just think it's so funny because he made it very obvious where he said, if John Mayer and Steve Tisch tell me I got to do something, I'm going to do it. Right. It's like, you know, hey, guys, why don't you take Spags up on that point <laughs> and say, yeah. hey, you know what? We got to do this. So I, you know, I also think you're right. I think Eli would probably say, you know, I got three more starts and I probably should have gotten once this whole benching thing went down. You can put the kid in for a half. Uh, but yeah, and see. I think they sh- I think they should take Eli out during the game because let's be honest. I mean, no matter no one knows. So let's just say that you can't say definitively what's going to happen. Eli doesn't know. I don't even think John Mara knows. And again, they don't have a GM and a coach for next year. But there's at least let's say 50-50 or maybe 60-40 against. There's a chance though that this is his last game as a New York Giant. So it makes even more sense. Let him come out and you know let you know, announce it to the crowd. You know, like I don't you don't want to probably in the middle of a drive, but there's a way to do it. Um, then, you know, as he comes off the field, so he gets the recognition that he deserves. Uh, if it is his last home game, if it's not, well, then he comes back next year and he got an extra uh, round of applause out of the fans. But um, it, it's 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 certainly uh, makes sense on that on that front too to make sure he gets the recognition because otherwise, if he just you know walks off at the end of the game when they lose, you know, twenty eight to three or something, he doesn't even get that. But I mean, with Spags, I mean, listen, like you said, we, you got to almost – he was in an Owen situation, but, I mean, he's just come across as, like, the substitute teacher that everyone, you know, was, you know, doing spitballs in class. He just – he has, has no gravitas. I mean, he, he's a nice guy, and, and he's, he's very good to the media, but at least so this way no one can accuse us of being biased to guys who are good to the media. I mean, he is not cut out to be a head coach. I mean, it's – I enjoy his press conferences for the most part because he at least gives you human answers, which is such a departure from, you know, McAdoo, who was a robot. But it's almost like you say less, Steve, because he, he really reveals how kind of how little handle he has on so many things. And, um, and it just doesn't really represent himself very well in terms of like having a control or having a handle on situations. So, um, you know, again, he was in a, a tough spot. And, you know, he probably had to go four and oh and have the have the guys running through brick walls, to even get a serious look at the head coaching job. But, man, everybody's always watching, and I can't imagine around the league this this little stint uh, has done a heck of a lot for, you know, his candidacy for kind of any future positions because uh, he's just really come across, uh, you know, as overmatched, uh, again, in a tough spot. But, man, he has not distinguished himself at all. Yeah, I mean, look, it, maybe it ends up being, you know, the best thing that ever happened to him in the sense that, you know, even coming into this season, I think people were saying, you know, you know if the Giants' defense is good again, and they're not, they're probably going to finish 31st or 32nd. Uh, you know, could he get another head coaching shot? I mean, I just – and look, I, I think, you know, he, obviously it wasn't an ideal way to get your second shot as a head coach, but he just hasn't – there was a way, I'm sure, for him to kind of take charge and put his imprint on this without, you know – I understand you can't change everything, you know, with four weeks to go in the season, but the mayhem has just continued to happen, and – from even when McAdoo left, I think when McAdoo left, people thought, okay, they're just going to kind of, you know, coast through this thing. They didn't do it, but, you know, he's still one of 32 head coaches in the NFL. Got to take a little bit of charge. Uh, he hasn't, but look, only a couple days to go. One game left against the Redskins. Giants fans probably, are, most fans are hoping they lose. Clinch number two pick. And then we will go into an off season of change. Uh, I'm sure we'll, I'm not sure we'll tape the next podcast. It'll be sometime probably middle of next week. But obviously, GM search, coaching search, Eli, Odell, Eli Apple, uh, all that will be out there. But I think for now, big story here, obviously, week, Eli Apple suspended. Davis Webb is going to dress, which is one step closer to the field, but I still don't think he's going to get there. 
But if he does or he doesn't, we will talk about it next week. Dan, as always, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's been a been an interesting season, and certainly no shortage of material for uh, the Talk Is Cheap podcast. So we can at least thank the Giants for that. No, every week, every week, I would think to myself, after we tape a show or something big happens, okay, this is probably the best show of the year, best material we're going to get, and then the Giants, the gift that keeps on giving. That's it for us. Episode 116 of the Talk Is Cheap podcast. He's Dan Duggan. I'm James Cratch. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those places you can find a podcast. And, of course, on NJ.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.